Welcome to week 52, all the balls, as you can see, Connor Howe is not with us tonight, but Jake Platter is, so is myself, Justin Miller, with Jake Platter. The last three weeks we've done the show, I was, I was looking back and it's been a different combination the last three weeks. A couple weeks ago it was me by myself, then it was me and Connor, then it was you and Connor, now it's me and Jake, and I guess it's just a two-person show for the time being, but we'll all be back next week, because you know what next week is? One year. Happy anniversary. The one-year anniversary is next week on week 53, but we're not going to talk about that right now because we're worried about week 52, which starts right now. Jake, how you doing? How was your day? Great, man. Great day at work. Another day uh, living, breathing, happy, healthy. I am uh, living it up, enjoying it. How about you? Yeah, it's been a good day. Um, got some money line bets going on right now, and the White Sox are looking pretty good, so knock on wood, wherever. Oh. Yeah, right there, I guess. But um, yeah, it's been a pretty good day. Hopefully the Red Sox can win the series tonight against the the terrible Twins team that they got over there in Minnesota. But besides from that, football is almost back. The Celtics will be back in a couple months. The Bruins will be back soon. And it's all the balls. What else can we say? Yeah, all the balls, all the pucks, uh, maybe a shuttlecock in there. Who knows? Yeah. Anthony Howard's in the house. We'll see you Saturday at Pitbull. Are you ready to start rocking and rolling for Mr. Worldwide? Mr. Worldwide. But um, we'll talk about Mr. Worldwide on Saturday morning after a couple drinks. But starting the show off now, week 52, we'll start off with hockey because we haven't really talked too much hockey. It's been kind of not a lot going on, but starting the show off with some unfortunate news that just happened a couple days ago. Unfortunately, for those of you that don't know, I'm assuming most of you do know, RIP to Jimmy Hayes, former Boston Bruins player, NHL player, was a pretty good player for those of you that don't know him, played his college hockey at Boston College. He's a Massachusetts guy from the Massachusetts area. I believe he was living in Milton or something. He was living 30, 30, 35 minutes away from here. So they found him dead a couple nights ago. His wife found him. We don't know the cause of death right now. We don't want to. He was only 31. So 31 years old. And it's not often that you're going to find a 31 year old just dying in the middle of nowhere. So I'm assuming, I don't know if it was drug related, but that's where I'm guessing it had to be something, something along that line. But unfortunately for him, and his family, a huge loss for the Boston community, a huge loss for the NHL. And again, he was only with Boston for a couple of years, but he got a hat trick on the Bruins. I believe he recorded 22, 23 goals in his time with Boston. So not one of the best players, but a pretty good player for Boston. And it's a big loss, especially when anyone dies at 31 years old. Yeah, I mean, it's a terrible thing to see. You, you, this guy could have more to his career, you know, it, whether, you know, on the ice, you know, playing a part somewhere else. Definitely a loss to the community, uh, Massachusetts and the NHL. Um, nobody wants to see that happen. Yeah, so starting the news, starting with that news is not how we want to start the show, but unfortunately... Let's get lively. Jimmy Hayes did die, and I did meet him, actually. Me and I posted on Facebook a couple of days ago, me and my friend Mike Craddy met him at the Boston College Hockey Game, nice enough to take a picture with us, and unfortunately, that's what happened. But for those of you that are watching right now, we got a poll going on. How will the Red Sox season end, if you want to submit your answer to that? Losing the wild card game, win the World Series, losing the playoffs, miss the playoffs... Hopefully you don't pick that, but we'll see. All right, keeping it with hockey for now. Again, thanks for joining us here week 52. There's a couple of things that have happened lately with the Boston Bruins. We're going to jump on that real quick again because we haven't really talked about that too much lately. Again, hockey's probably our fourth sport, but we got we to talk about it. Even though Jake was saying it's all the balls, we're still going to have some pucks in there. All the balls, maybe a puck here and there. A puck, a puck. I mean, all right, yeah, so the Bruins have had some... Had some things going on lately. Of course, we, me and Connor talked about this a couple weeks back when Jake was on his unbelievable vacation that he went on. But David That's Krejci right. left the Boston Bruins. He's now going to be playing his hockey in the Czech Republic. He had his first press conference with the team the other day. 
you know, a lot of people in the Boston area are saying that, oh, they think maybe he'll come back to the team next year, a couple of years. But from what I heard in the press conference, his first press conference over in the Czech Republic, it seems like he wants to stay there, and it sounds like he's going to stay there for a long time. Jake, I know, I know you're not the biggest hockey guy in the world, but I'm sure you've heard of David Krejci, and it's definitely going to be a big loss for the Boston Bruins. I can't believe anyone, let alone a, an NHL player living his best life playing in the NHL, wants to go back to the Czech Republic. I, as, a, as a normal human being, I don't even want to go to the Czech Republic. I want to stay here. Um, I, I got nothing to say about that. You don't I want mean, to check it out? No, I don't want to check it out. I don't want to repub... I don't want any part of it. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not understanding the move here. I mean, I guess, you know, he's away from his family, friends for the majority of the year, but he's got the rest of his life to do that. He's, you know, not in his prime, but still a key piece to a team that year in and year out is a contender, um, a team that, you know, I think acknowledges that they need him. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, not over everyone, but, it, you know, he's an important part and everyone knew it. Um, I think it's a very surprising thing to see. Um, you think he'll you think he'll work his way back in? I mean, I don't see him coming back as a player, but I could see maybe three or four years down the line, maybe he'll come back in some kind of coaching role, stay within the organization somehow, some way, because this is a guy that played his whole career with the Boston Bruins so far. Crazy. Was a key piece to the championship run that they had, a key piece to the last couple seasons. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. didn't go the way they wanted to. But again, this is a guy that was on the second line, he wasn't, he wasn't one of the best scorers of all time, but, I mean, this guy was a key piece to the Boston Bruins along with the guys they have now like Bergeron, Marchand, Pasternak. And, again, we'll get to this in a second, but we'll be talking about is this the end of this core? Is it really the last chance that they have to win a cup with the current core that they have now? But, again, David Krejci was a huge part of that, and the Boston Bruins are really going to miss him dearly. But I think I don't think he's going to come back as a player. I think more more is maybe like a role with the team, not a trainer, but like a coach, an assistant coach. And I think he'll be the water boy. Yeah, he'll be the water boy. Yeah. Maybe working in the front office, some type of role like that. But going to the Czech Republic, I can see why he wanted to. He said he wanted to give back to his community. He grew up there. His kids are there. He wants his kids to watch him play where he grew up, and maybe his kids are going to play there along the lines as well. So You feel like he's calling it too early? I mean, I feel like his play's definitely declined the last couple of seasons. He's definitely good enough to be in the NHL, no doubt about that. And mm-hmm. being a Boston Bruins fan, you obviously want to see him still with a team that he's always been with. But... Again, he's probably not calling it too early. He's probably going to be one of the best players in the Czech Republic when he plays there. So from my perspective, yeah, I want to see him with the Boston Bruins, but I can see where he's coming from. All right. Fair enough. But um, moving on to another thing that happened. We got another comment. Who's it? Kristen, my boss, is commenting on the show. Hopefully you're having a nice time. What's up? <laughs> I appreciate the comments, everyone. Um, up next on the agenda, Tuka Rask, for those of you that don't know, currently... We really don't know what's going to happen with him. Right now, He's a lot of people are saying he's not going to come back. A lot of people are saying that he's going to come back. The Boston Bruins just signed a guy named Linus Umar from the Buffalo Sabres, one of the worst teams in the NHL. Mm-hmm. And right now, the goalie situation, they got Linus Umar. they got a guy named Jeremy Swayman who played last season. It was phenomenal. For those of you that don't know, a young rookie, played his way onto the team from Providence, and he was just he was unbelievable last season coming up from Providence, even came in a couple playoff games because Tuka Rask wasn't playing that well. And then now all of a sudden... It, lo- it doesn't look like they really need Tuka Rask. He's getting older. You know what happened in the bubble. He went back to see his family. We really don't know what happened with that story going right. on. But, I mean, they got a guy named Linus Umark. They got Jeremy Swayman. But, Jake, I know you're not, you're not the biggest hockey guy out there. You want to see Tuka Rask come back? Um, I mean, if he's the same old guy, yeah. I mean, I want to see him come back. He's still a very talented player. Um, but 
I, I mean, there is some hate towards this guy. I mean, he, you know, I get, you know, you care about your family, you want to do your thing, but he, he abandoned the team at a time of need. Um, I, don't, I don't know if, it, you know, signing a third goalie is a guarantee that he's gone, but I think it's an insurance policy for sure. Um, there's no need to have three on roster. And yeah. I, I mean, it's probably easy to, to cut this new guy or, uh, you know, without losing too much in, in terms of money. Um, but it may, it may be some kind of sign that, you know, a third goalie comes on, you know, one of them's going to go. Yeah, and again, obviously you don't need three goals. It's like, why did the Patriots sign Brian Hoyer? They don't need Brian Hoyer to be He's on the coach. team. But again, the Bruins, technically now they got three goalies with this Umark, Jeremy Swayman, and Tuka Rask. In my opinion, if I was the coach, the GM, whatever you want to call it, I'd say Jeremy Swayman's the starter. From what we saw last season, again, this is a young kid. You, you think if... If Swayman's the starter, then then Tuca would just retire, though. I mean, like yeah, he it, said he doesn't want to play anywhere else. Not want to play anywhere else, and I mean, I doubt he takes a backup role. It's you know, no, he won't be the backup. Way too talented to. He's a top ten goalie in the league. Yeah, and, but you're you're saying he won't be a starter. I mean, if the Boston Bruins really want to part ways with him, I know they love this Jeremy Swayman kid, and they brought him up last year, and there's rave rave reviews, positive reviews about this kid, and. Right now, it doesn't sound like Tuukka Rask is going to be the goalie, and they just got over, brought over this guy, Linus Umar, from Buffalo. I know the Sabres, like I said, they're one of the worst teams in the league, if not the worst, last year, but Buffalo went through three or four goalies during the season, and he was the number one goalie for Buffalo, and he had a pretty good save percentage, pretty close to Tuukka Rask. So mm-hmm. if I'm the Bruins, if you're thinking money-wise and Tuukka Rask wants all this money, I, I wouldn't ever bring him back. It's too much trouble. Yeah, I'm with you. But we'll see what happens there, the Krejci news, whether Tuukka Rask comes back or not. And then finally, I was just thinking about this during work the other day. Sorry, I shouldn't be thinking about sports during work, but um, but I was thinking about, about sports during work all the time. Yeah, but this really could be the. I think this year might be the last real chance that this team has. I mean, David, this is, this is the window. I think the window is approaching pretty soon, and this might be it. I mean, we're thinking a Boston Bruins team. These last two or three seasons, they've been top five favorites to win the cup. Obviously, we know what happened a couple seasons back when St. Louis yeah. beat them in that game seven, and now Missed last season, call. last season, I think yeah, the mystery that was terrible. Then last season, I believe they should have beat the Islanders. Connor Howe would disagree with that, but I think they were really the better team. And now you lose David Krejci. Tuka Rast might not be back. And Patrice Bergeron and Brad Marchand aren't getting any younger. No. And these are the guys, no your best players on the team. Bergeron, Marchand, again, Pasternak's pretty young, but then you lose Chara last season. You lose Tori Krug. And now all you're really left with that's been there for a while is the guys on the first line, Marchand, Pasternak, and one of your longest tenure Bruins, David Krejci, is gone. So if I'm, if I'm a fan, if I'm a GM, if I'm a... Any part of this organization, I'm really starting to wonder if this could be the last real chance for this core this season. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, your your point is is perfect. That the the core of the team is well past their prime at this point. Um, not that they're poor players, but it's hard to maintain you know that that level of excellence, especially when you know the the older the player is, the harder it is for them to maintain that high level throughout an entire season. Um, with the with the lack of of you know significant young talent to to replace these guys right now, I think you're right. The window is uh, at least looking like it's soon to be closed. Um, I do think that the Bruins still you know are relevant, have a have a real chance, um, at least when it comes to next year. But you know beyond that, we're we're in the dark. Yeah, again, this is still a good team, a team that obviously should make the playoffs. Like I said, you still got that first line, one of the best first lines in all hockey. You still got some pretty good defensemen, even though Tori Krug and Zidane Ochara left. You still got McAvoy, one of the top five defensemen in the league. Matt Grizzlick's back. You still got Brandon Carlo. You made a couple of good offseason additions. Again, guys, some of 
some of you probably haven't heard of like Eric Holler that they added a guy named Torbert that's going to be on this probably the second or third line defense but overall they still got a good product this is still a great organization they got a great team even though they don't have some of those key players that they've had in the past years it still should be a top four team in the east in my opinion and again Time is dwindling down for a lot of these guys like Bergeron and Martian, so the time to win is now, and I really believe this could be the last real chance. Yeah, we shall see. So moving on, starting the show a little hockey. We haven't talked hockey in a couple of weeks. Connor will talk some more hockey when we get back to him in the next week or the week after that. But there's a lot of other stuff we're going to talk about here tonight in about the next hour, hour and a half or so before we get dinner. Um, Jake, we had another topic to the show tonight. I talked it over with you the other morning. You're like, yeah, let's do it. And I'm like, yeah, we should really start doing it. So we started doing it, and we're going to do it so this we're week. we're going to do it. So just thinking back, and I know we're going to keep this mostly sports, but thinking back, Jake, you've been to a lot of sporting games in your life, baseball, basketball. One or two. Football, hockey. You've been to a couple of Revolution games. Yeah. It just, I've been I was, to an LAFC game. They played the Galaxy. Were you really? Yeah. You see David Beckham? No, I saw Zlatan Ibrahimovic. I don't even know who he is, but... One of the best players in the world. So moving on, what's it like, in your opinion, to be... Comparing the four major sports, obviously baseball, basketball, football, and hockey, what's your favorite sport to attend? To attend? I mean, Jake's a big basketball guy. So. I am, I am. Um, to attend, it's got to be basketball. Um, and there's a lot that goes into that. This is a great question I wasn't expecting to be asked right now. Um, there's a lot that goes into what makes... You know, in my opinion, basketball, and you know, in that in that regard, the Celtics, my favorite game to go to. Um, I love the Garden. Uh, you know, if we're talking for me, you know, basketball, hockey, or in the Garden, baseball is at Fenway, football is at Gillette. We'll leave soccer out of this because that was never a real answer. Um, even though it can be fun, uh, the Garden is tremendous for. for I'd rather go to Jerry Springer than yeah, the Revolution. That'd be cool. Um, or Maury. Yeah. Um, or the Steve Wilco show. Yeah. Or Steve Harvey show. Yeah. Um, so, you know, basketball's fun. I love the garden. I think that, you know, almost every seat in the house gives you a fantastic view of all of the action. Um, you can buy a cheap seat and get a great view as long as you're uh, up in the balcony taking taking a look down. You don't even need binoculars. Um, but <laughs> I, I love watching basketball. I mean, it helps that basketball is one of my favorite sports to play, watch. I love the players. I love the... Uh, you know the the who's gonna win i know it's more of a super team type league at this point but the last couple of years have been interesting um oh yeah no doubt they really have uh it seems that the the super team you know guaranteed winner thing is sort of broken up yeah um we're not seeing the Cavs and warriors in the finals every year anymore so i i love going to basketball games you know after that um it's it's gonna come as a shock to some who know me but i'm gonna say that my second favorite sport to attend is baseball wow um yeah, I mean, as crazy as that sounds, I, I haven't been to that many hockey games, and when I have, I've had a tremendous time. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've been to a playoff game. Nashville, right? Uh, in Nashville. That was sick. Um, a little Pred Sharks action. But um, baseball is just a lot of fun to watch. I think that the the crowd is especially into it. I love all the you know the traditions that come with baseball. I'm always getting myself a Fenway Frank. I might get myself a bag of popcorn, some Cracker Jacks. I am I am enjoying myself at baseball games for sure. And another thing, you know, sort of like the Celtics for me, is the view. Uh, you have a great view of the game when you are at Fenway Park. It really doesn't matter where you are. Even in unless the you're behind one of the poles. Yeah, unless you're behind a pole, but you made a mistake if that's where you are. Um, even in, your, in the outfield. Um, you know, I know the pitch is far away, but the, the action is still pretty clear to see. You know what's going on at all times. I love watching football on TV. I really do. 
It is, yeah, it's more it, of a TV sport. It is a lot of fun, but it, maybe it's because watching football on TV is is so great for me. You know, every Sunday I'm sitting watching NFL Red Zone. I get to watch 15 games at the same time. It's nothing better than that. Um, you know, seeing every play, every highlight, and you get to watch it up close and personal. That is what I like about football. When you are at a football game, you feel like you are on in a different state watching the game through binoculars. You can't tell who caught the ball. You don't know what's in, what's out of bounds. If they make a dive at the goal line, you're waiting for the ref to make a call. you got no way of deciding for yourself whether he was in or out. Yeah, we don't have the yellow um, line like we yeah, do Yeah, and if you're sitting up close, you might think that's better, but it's not because if you're sitting in one end zone, you have no idea what's going on on the other side of that field. If you're at midfield... Good luck watching either end zone. That's where all the the action happens. I mean, I get, you know, there's big plays made midfield, but the game is won by scoring the most points. And there's no real way to see every bit of that action when you are at a football game. The club seats is the way Um, to go. Okay, yeah, go go buy yourself some club seats. Um, Or win them from Randy. Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, so, So for me, you know... I might put football last. Yeah, football's last. Football's no, no last question for me. About I'm it. going basketball, baseball, hockey, football. I mean, that's it, my long wind. This is such a no like tennis or tennis match or anything in there. I've, I've been never, to a tennis. I've match, never actually. been to a live tennis match, but I tennis is fun really live. enjoy watching tennis on TV. I might like you know I like watching golf on TV. I wouldn't go to a, oh. I wouldn't go watch golf because it seems like a lot of walking. I can't even watch golf um, on TV. Oh, it's awesome, dude! The the way they hit the ball, crazy. I'd rather read like something from the author of Diary. Would you rather of read? I mean, those are good books. Would you rather read the entire dictionary out loud, or go to a full day of golf? <laughs> jump! I'd rather jump off the Zakem. <laughs> None of those. Those are two terrible options. I mean, I don't know, but no, I, I think golf's a terrible sport to watch on TV. I I mean, I'd watch. Anything other than that. I'd watch like a nice jewelry show. Would you rather watch three hours of curling or one hour of golf? Curling. Whoa. At least it's like going fast. No, it's not. Faster than golf. Um, You're watching people scrub ice. Overall, though, if I had to pick one, yeah, I'd have to agree that football is definitely the worst to to go to live. I mean, yeah. even if you do have a seat in the middle. It's insane that it's my favorite to watch at home and my least favorite to attend to. Yeah, there's nothing better than waking up every Sunday morning, setting your fantasy lineup. And pl- never leaving the couch. Placing your bets. Yeah, staying on the couch. Ordering takeout. 11.30, watching the Sunday NFL countdown at 10 o'clock, staying up all night till 11.25 when the Sunday night game ends. Seven hours S- seven- uninterrupted. That's, yeah, what Scott Hansen says, yeah. the NFL Red Zone guy. Yeah, but there's nothing better than watching football on TV. But overall, yeah, football is definitely fourth. But... I mean, hockey's really underrated, especially going to a hockey playoff game at the TD Garden. There's nothing better than playoff hockey, and especially the only difference between that and basketball at the Garden is if you're in the last row of the balcony, like in the corner, sometimes you're not going to see the other end of the court, the basketball-wise. Sometimes yeah, but you, if, you're, if you're at the— Hockey, you can see everything. You can't see the puck when it's up against your boards facing you. I mean, you still know where it, you still know where it is. Though. Hockey, you can see everything. I think the balcony is way better for hockey than basketball. Being, oh, I disagree. Being up close, though— like, say you're in the first row up. 1 to 10 from hockey and basketball. Basketball is way better. Hockey nasty. Hockey down low, the glass blocks, like, literally everything. You can't mm-hmm. see any of that stuff. I wouldn't want to say it from probably row 1 to row 15 in a hockey game. you got to be above that glass. Yeah, because I would love to be courtside. The glass is blocking your view completely. But, like, Jake, like you said, there's nothing go- better than going to Fenway Park, eating a hot dog, having some Cracker Jacks, having some popcorn. Get myself a Sam Summer. Watching the ladies walk by your row. I mean... What's better than going to Fenway Park and going to one baseball game? Really nothing. I mean, drinking a beer, 
singing Sweet Caroline, hopefully when the Red Sox are winning. Yeah, you love that dirty water at the end of the game. Yeah, if they win. And, yeah, Sweet Caroline, again, that's always, the that's always a fan favorite. Yellow, you know, get your hot dog here. I'd have to go, I'd have to go, if I had to pick one game to attend live, I'd probably, just because I like basketball the best, probably go to a basketball game, then yeah, baseball, hockey, football. I mean, I get wow. a copy again. No, but football, you got to tell me you're going to the wild card game or one game elimination playoff. I think football would be my number two option for playoffs. Yeah, I mean, that'd be cool. For playoffs, I mean, I'd rather go to the Super Bowl or anything. Yeah, I mean, but how are we going to do that? I mean, I, like game seven of the NBA Finals is pretty close depending on who's playing. And tennis is very underrated. For those of you that haven't been to a tennis match, tennis, going to a tennis game, it's like, whew. Who do you see play tennis? We saw the um, the Adams brothers. That's who it was. Oh, those guys? What, the Adams, I think it was the Adams brothers. Some, the jo- the, not the Jonas brothers. It was it was some kind of brothers. Well, it wasn't my dad's watch. The Brian brothers. Yeah, it was the Brian brothers. Yeah, the Adams brothers. <laughs> yeah, it was the Brian brothers. Family, but the Brian brothers. Yeah, oh, there goes the pen. Yeah, so it was the Brian brothers. <laughs> yeah, that's who he saw. It wasn't like Novak Djokovic versus like Serena Williams. We didn't see anything like that. I don't that think again. they've ever played. So. No, that'd be a runaway. But yeah, tennis is very underrated to go to. And um, besides that, I'm trying to think. You know what else is good to go to? Have you ever been to a WWE fight? Uh, yeah. Really? Yeah, local. Oh, unbelievable. We used to go to the Cape Cod Melody Tent. Cape Cod Melody Tent back in the day. Used to be able to say like, yo, Carlito, what's up? And then he'd wave back to you. Me and my sister used to bring signs like, what's up, John Cena? And then the big show would come out of nowhere. It was unbelievable. Yes, 369. Oh, that was Rey Mysterio. But overall, yeah, WWE was pretty fun to attend. that was Lil John. Yeah, him too. No, Rey Mysterio did 619. That was his signature move. But overall, I mean, you can't go wrong with anything besides golf, in my opinion. Even water polo. I haven't been in but I like watching it on TV. Water polo. You know, and during the Olympics. I'd rather watch golf than shuffleboard. Eh, that'd be close. Again, where's the Zaken when you need it? How about golf or cross-country skiing? Cross-country skiing. You're insane. That's coming right into your TV. (laughs) But overall, yeah, yeah. That was a different segment in the middle of the show. I had to break up some time there, but... Matt Dorrance is going to Fenway. Good times never seem so good. Yeah, well, last night they, last night they never felt so bad. Everyone, I know Matt was actually at the game last everyone night. Everyone comment what your least favorite sport to watch is. Ready, set, go. Ready, set, go. All right, moving on. Got about 35, 40, 45 minutes left in the show. It will be mostly basketball and football from the time being. Jake, we're going to talk some basketball right now. Yes. I know you and Connor got into a lot of NBA stuff last week. Uh, there's never enough. So we're not going to spend as much time as you guys did on it last week. But it's been a busy offseason. There's been a ton of moves. Al Horford's changed places. DeMar DeRozan's changed places. Kyle Lowry's changed places. Dwight Howard, Robin Lopez. There's been tons of guys that have moved. Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn. Yeah, I forgot about that. But Jake, I don't know if you've had time to prepare for this. Not at all. There's been a lot of moves, probably more than the last two seasons combined, in my opinion. I think a ton of guys are changing teams this year. Okay. And overall, you don't need to rank them from one to three, but what do you think are going to be the top three most impactful additions when the season begins and when the season ends? Who do you think it's going to be? Okay. Great question. Want me to start off or do you want to start? The most impactful additions to To their teams. teams. Okay. The most impactful additions to teams. I'm, you know, I haven't had a lot of time to prepare for this, so I'm going to rattle them off off the top of my head, as crazy as that sounds. But I'm going to say the most impactful additions to teams, number one for me, is going to be DeMar DeRozan going to the Chicago Bulls. This is a team that, you know... Just, just to let you know, after this, it's going to be the three moves we don't think will work out too great. Perfect. Perfect. I have those ready in my head because I hate people a lot. And I think about it all the time. 
Um, so for me, DeMar DeRozan's number one. I mean, the Bulls, you know, I, maybe in their own minds they were playoff hopeful, but I don't think anyone else saw them that way. Um, right now, I think that they are legit. I mean, I wouldn't say they're like a contender, but if they, made, if they didn't make the playoffs, I would be really surprised. Um, I think that they are a team that potentially is playing for home court in the playoffs. Um, three all-stars, one of them being DeRozan. And, you know, Levine is, is good. Vucevic, very good player. For me, DeRozan is one of the guys in the league that is a legitimate closer. Uh, you, get, you get him the ball at the end of the game, and he's going to get you that bucket that you need. So for me, DeRozan may be the most impactful addition any team made throughout the entire offseason. You want to go one by one by one? Sure, you go next. All right, this isn't in any order, but I'm going to start being a homer. Start with the Boston Celtics. I think adding Al Horford to this team is going to be a huge addition just because he's been here before. He knows what it's like to play with Tatum. He knows what it's like to play with Brown. He knows what it's like to play with Smart. Mm-hmm. He's going to make this team a lot better this season. Passing the ball, being on the baseline, being that three-point shooter that they didn't really have last year, the big guy. I know Daniel Tice is a guy that could shoot threes last season, but you bring back a guy that's familiar with the organization, familiar with a lot of players on the team, I think Al Horford's instantly going to make the team better, whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench. I know he's getting older. He's not as good as he once was a couple years back when he was here. But either way, I think Al Horford adding him to this Celtics team is going to make them a lot better instantly. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, we we were missing that... You know, I, I get Williams is a good rim protector, but we were missing that versatile defensive presence at the big position. And Al Horford really brings it. I mean, and I, I think Luke that, Barnett didn't, right? No, he did not. Um, and I, I really love the support around Al Horford. I love the other bigs on the team. Williams and Cantor are, are great supporting guys for Horford. And I don't even think Horford's going to be a starter, but I still think he's the key. Yeah. Because... Horford is not a big minutes guy anymore, but he is a impactful minutes guy. So him getting in the game, completely exerting his energy to make sure that the defense is down pat. I don't even, I mean, he's a good offensive player. He's like, you know, an okay shooter. He's a good facilitator. I am mostly concerned with what he will do defensively. And I think it was a huge addition for the Celtics. I think you're right. Um, I don't even know if that was the best addition the Celtics made, but I think. you never two? Well, one of them? No, no, Um, not yet at least. But I, I do like that move. Um, another one for me would be are – we, are we doing just uh, free agency? Are we doing like the, just off-season I mean moves? you can do draft. I didn't do any draft guys, but you can have draft. Okay, so I, I am going to do a, a draft one. Now, I don't think that you know it may be this year that, that this, is, this comes to fruition for this team. But there has to be – I don't know if we talked about it at all. But it, I think it needs to be said that Jalen Suggs fell to the Orlando Magic. Yeah. Um, you thought he was a top three pick. I thought, he, I thought I would have been completely fine if he was the second pick in the draft, and I totally mean it. I think that he has the, the ability to be the best player in this draft, um, and I don't think it's going to take a long time for people to, to you know recognize that with me. Um, and it, it's almost a blessing he went to Orlando. They're, they're not a good team, um, but that means that there's room for him to really – turn into a star player for them. They're going to need him, and he's going to have plenty of opportunity to do anything he wants on that team. He's going to be able to develop into a full-blown scorer, facilitator. The ball is going to be in his hands a lot. And I think that him falling, especially after Scotty Barnes, I think that was a ridiculous move. My biggest bust of the draft. Um, it is a huge move to get Jalen Suggs. And if you're fifth and you get Jalen Suggs, you, you got a complete steal. So for me, 
Maybe not this year. I don't think Orlando's, you know, sneaking into the playoffs right now. I don't think they're, uh, you know, got anything else going on besides this kid. But he's going to be incredible. He, might, I think he could win Rookie of the Year. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I'd be shocked if he wasn't at least a top three player from this draft. Again, they're not going to make the playoffs probably for the next two or three years. But still, Suggs there was definitely a steal. Mm-hmm. Number two for me... I'm going to have to go with Kyle Lowry. This is a guy that I've never been a huge fan of That's when, a he was huge in, addition, when he was in Toronto. But you're going to a team like Miami that already has superstars in Jimmy Butler, a great center in Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, Victor Oladipo's back with the team. This team is already stacked as it is if they didn't have Ty- Kyle Lowry. Now you add Kyle Lowry, who in my opinion is an underrated defender. A lot of people don't give him credit on the defensive end of the floor. Right. I think he's a good defender. And you add him with Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo, who are already bu- way above average defenders. And you add him to the offensive side of the ball as well. Gives you another option alongside guys like Robinson and Hero. Space the floor a little bit more. And I think the Miami Heat are easily going to be a top three team to East this season. Again, without Kyle Lowry, this still could have happened. But with Kyle Lowry, we're not making our predictions yet, but I think it could be Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Miami as the top three in the East. I think they're no going to be Philly? better. I think Miami's going to be better than Philadelphia this season. Okay. And I think adding Kyle Lowry is a huge addition. Again. Oh, it is. It's massive. I didn't see him go. I thought he was going to be moved, but I did not see him going to Miami. No, neither did I. And they, they really worked some magic to, to afford him. Um, but I think it was a huge move. I agree with you. Um, I, I saw you had him written down, so I didn't want to say his name. All right. So now um, you get number three. So you're, I get number three. Can I can I go completely out of out of left field here? Where are you going? I have a left, out of left field one, but it's coming up. This next. is a true left fielder. For me, I think that a Alex ma- Verdugo. Uh. Alex Verdugo. No, I think a massive addition was made by the New Orleans Pelicans getting Jonas Valanciunas. I thought you were going to say Devonte Graham. No, Jonas. No, that's a great addition too. But Jonas Valanciunas. Okay, I love that pickup because that was a team that you know outside of. Um, I mean, I know they lost Lonzo, but outside of. Ingram and Zion, they struggled to to find somebody that was a go-to scoring guy. I mean, Steven Adams was a great inside presence. Um, you know, he's a good finisher around the rim. But Valanciunas can create his own offense. I, I'm very interested to see what will happen when you get those three guys together because Valanciunas is a 20-point-per-game is a guy, easy. Yeah. I think he can do it any he night. He should be. I think he could do it any night he wants. He He'll have a 17 and a half. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he went out and he wanted to do it, he'd do it every time. Um He's extremely talented. He is a decent defender, and I'm I'm just excited to see what will happen there. I think it was a move that needed to be made as well because even though he's not like a legit shooter, he has that mid range presence. Yeah, he'll um, be good out there too. And it, it seemed like a logjam with Zion and, and Stephen Adams in the paint all the time. So for me, I'm excited to see what Valanciunas is going to do in New Orleans. I think that that team for a few years now, I've expected them to be better than they are, and maybe a move like this actually, you know sets that off yeah I mean Valanciunas he's already a great center as it is now he goes to an even better situation Mm -hmm. in New Orleans for me this is not even going to be close to out of left field probably the best addition of the offseason the most recognizable name probably and it it has to be Russell Westbrook going to the Lakers again this is a Lake that's going to work I think it is and the reason why is I think LeBron James obviously he didn't play a lot last year he was hurt a lot Mm -hmm. and LeBron James when he did play he had to play a lot of point guard but now Russell Westbrook is obviously the point guard and LeBron James, in my opinion, suited for this Lakers team is better off not being the point guard, especially when you bring in a guy like Russell Westbrook yep. and you already have Anthony Davis, and now you added guys like Carmelo Anthony and other crazy offseason additions that they added. This team also got Kendrick Nunn. This team has other guys from last season. Yeah, they lost Kuzma and Harrell. But you had, you had one of the best point guards in the game in Russell Westbrook. I know he still has a lot of flaws to his game that a lot of people don't like. He's not the best shooter in the world. Nope. His defense isn't too great either. 
But you add him to a team with LeBron James and Anthony Davis, forming a big three of those three guys that are all three future Hall of Famers. And obviously, they're the number one teams to be the favorite in the West now with Russell Westbrook. Again, I'm yeah, not a huge I Russell Westbrook fan. I'm not a huge Russell Westbrook fan, but now LeBron James is going to be back to his role as a small forward. Anthony Davis is going to be healthy again, and hopefully LeBron will too. Now you add Russell Westbrook to the team. I don't think anyone's beating this team in the West. You don't think anyone's beating that team? I mean, I, I mean, they'll lose some regular I, I got to see. Right. I got to see what happens um, because you're right. The, the shooting is, is definitely a concern for me. LeBron loves to play with shooters, and Westbrook is the exact opposite of that. Um, what I do think will work very well is – you know, a LeBron slash Westbrook with Davis led lineup. I mean, they're all going to be starters, but and Carmelo, you know, yeah, and Car- well, whatever. Um, I'm I'm just talking about breaking up those three in in terms of minutes. I I think that there there it's hard to see a, a drop off in the team's production when you're rocking LeBron and AD for a period of time, and then say, okay, we need a little we need a little break here. Let's get Westbrook and give LeBron some rest. I don't see a big drop off there, and it's not that I think you know yeah. Westbrook and LeBron are on the same level of play. It's just that both of them are so far superior to who they're matched up against nine times out of ten. And they couldn't do that last but, year. Yeah, they could not do that last year. Um, and, and I'm very excited to see that. Um, I don't know how well it's going to work in terms of all three of them being on the floor at the same time um, because of the shooting. It, it does concern me a little bit. I don't even know who's going to – you're right. Westbrook is a point guard. I don't know who's going to bring the ball up the court. Like what? Westbrook has never been in a situation like this where, he, Tucker. where he should not be bringing the ball up the court like nine times out of ten. Um, what I what I do want to see though is you know you can tell me what you think on this. I think that this presents an opportunity for Westbrook to possibly even exceed his single season triple double total. Um, yeah, of, it could be his best chance. Forty. What do you get? Forty two. He got forty two in a season. I think he could he could break that. Um, it sounds bizarre to say, but I think the rebounds has, will go down. Though I mean, the rebounds with LeBron and AD. It I depends who's in the line. I don't. It's it's a his rebounds aren't like him, you know, jumping over guys to get the board. It's it's a designed rebound. They let him get the ball so that he can lead the break. And I don't see why that would stop. It works every time he gets it. He's the fastest. No, I'm guy saying with LeBron board. still. I mean, LeBron's gonna be the point guard still sometimes too, though. So sure. And, you know, the the thing that brings him down probably will be rebounds because I don't anticipate him having a problem getting assists on this team. He'll he'll either be feeding Davis down low. Maybe 14 a game. Him, Westbrook penetrating the paint and then finding Anthony Davis or Dwight Howard under the hoop is a, is a cheat code. Um, it, it's going to result in him getting 10 assists alone off those two guys. Now he's got LeBron. He's got, you know, Pope. He's got, uh, like, what, like, two other shooters that I can't even think now. I mean, they got Kendrick, they oh, Kendrick Malik Nunn. Monk. Like, He's yeah. He's got Kendrick. He's got so many options. Um, it, it's I think Westbrook has a great chance to to keep running up the tally on those triple doubles for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, they're they're a super team. If if you don't think they're a super team, you got those three guys and they're clearly a, they were already a super team. And now you add Russell Westbrook. All right, three moves we don't think will work out too great. Again, I'm not saying that these moves aren't going to work out because there's some good players in here. There's some bad players in here, mm-hmm. but. The first name I'm going to mention is someone that we've already mentioned, was someone that Jake already mentioned, and that's a guy by the name of DeMar DeRozan. I'm not saying this movie's not going to work out good, but I don't think pairing DeMar DeRozan with Zach Levine is the best for this team. Again, they're going to be a playoff team, and if they're not, that's going to be a major, major, major Lonzo. negative with this organization. You got Lonzo Ball, you got Zach Levine, you got DeMar DeRozan, Bruce. you got Vucevic. I think Vucevic will be fine, but I just don't think that... Levine and DeRozan are going to mesh too well together. They're going to make the playoffs. I think the defense is going to be a major problem on this team. 
I know you bring in Lonzo Ball. You bring in Alex Caruso as well from the I LA think the Lakers. Team's gonna be nasty. They're going to be good, but they're not going to be as good as people think. People are hyping them up, saying they're going to get home court in the playoffs, like Jake just did. Who, I, only I think, I've said that. No one else. I think this team's going to be about a seven or eight seed in the East. They're going to. is competitive. They're going to be lucky if they're at least ten games over five hundred. And Demar Derozan and Zach Levine are going to struggle consistently to play together well on the offensive side of the ball. And the defense is going to be a major problem too. Demar Derozan is not going to be as good as you think. On this team. How many points per game does DeRozan average on this team? They average about 17. Okay, I was going to say like 19. So I think you're right, but it's it's like a very efficient 19 in my mind. He's, he's a mid-range specialist, and I, I have no problem believing that a pick-and-roll DeRozan-Vucevic is, is going to be a problem. And then even if he does, you know, start to draw, you know, a double or a, a you know, defensive edge then he's got Levine hanging out on the wing. Like, it, it's going to be too easy for him. People are go- I'm just telling you, people are going crazy right now. And I think I'm you, going crazy. you got to lower the expectations a little bit with this team. they got they got good I, names. They're playing for home court. I didn't say they're going to get it. But, like, with that roster, they should be trying for it. It's yeah, like, it's a good be, team. In their mind, they should say, we want to play game one of the playoffs in Chicago. If I was a Chicago fan right now, I would be happy, happy, happy. I mean, I'd be going nuts if I was a Chicago yeah, well, fan. Yeah, they've right sucked now. for a while. So, But, Jake, um, you want to go with your first? Yeah, or my, your second or your third? My, I'm going to go with my first, my number one, my complete expectation for this to be a failure. Are you ready? Yeah. I hate Kemba Walker oh, going boy. to the Knicks. Um, it, it's, it, it, let me start off by saying unreal contract for the Knicks. I don't think that this is a losing situation for the, the Knicks in terms of money. They're not going to regret paying him $3 million to play there. I think it's an incredible move on that part. Um I just, you know, maybe it's, you know, bad taste in my mouth from him sucking the whole time he was in Boston. But, oh my God, like, he's a very inefficient shooter. I think he holds the ball for too long. I think that in his mind, he is a superstar player. And in reality, he's just a very good option. Um, I don't like the move at all. I think that, you know, this could potentially stunt the growth of, growth of R.J. Barrett. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think that Kemba's going to want to want the ball all the time, all the time. He's he's playing in Madison Square Garden under the biggest lights in the in the game. Why wouldn't he want to say, you know, give me that big shot every time we need it? When I think it should be R.J. Barrett. I think Julius Randle should be bringing the ball up the court half the time. And Kemba Walker is going to be hogging that thing. He's going to be messing up the flow. I hate his little you know off screen step up three pointer that doesn't hit the rim half the time. Like. It, it is bad. I, I think that he's fallen off as a player, um, and I don't think he recognizes it, and that's the biggest problem. I, I really anticipate this being a, an issue for the Knicks. Um, you don't think they're going to be better than last season? No, I don't. Um, I think the Knicks had a very good year last year. I think they strung together incredibly defensively, and that's another area you're going to see some issues because Kemba Walker is a terrible defender. He he looks like he tries really hard. but Evan Fournier is not a good defender either. Evan Fournier is a bad defender too. Um, but this isn't about the Knicks. This is about Kemba. I, I think that the whole, you know, aura that the Knicks brought last year is totally thrown off by Kemba Walker being on that team. I think that Derrick Rose is nearly an equivalent player to Walker at this point in their careers, and Rose is not going to have a lot of time to play if Kemba Walker is on the court. Uh, they can't play together. That's going to be another issue. I think that he, he just causes a lot of problems in the lineup. I don't know... How, you know, Kemba with a injury-prone history is going to do well with Thibodeau, who likes to play guys 49 minutes a game. Um, 
I just don't see this working at all, and I have no faith in Kemba Walker on the, on the New York Knicks. Yeah, Jake never liked Kemba Walker when he was even with the Boston Celtics. No, no. But um, number two for me, these next what, what two— do you think? What do you think about Kemba on the Knicks? I mean, I think it's going to work pretty well. I don't think it's going to be as bad as you think it's going to be. I think the defense is going to be a major problem for the Knicks, having Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier in your backcourt. Because mm-hmm. I'm assuming that Derrick Rose is coming off the bench, who's not a great defender is. either. You're going to have Kemba Walker, Evan Fournier, Barrett, R.J. Barrett, Barrett Randall, Randall, and Nerlens Noel. Um, no, Mitchell Robinson. Or Mitchell Robinson, if he's ever healthy in your starting lineup. It's just a good starting lineup. There's going to be problems on, paper, on the defensive end. Great. It looks better than the Celtics on paper, I think. I don't. I mean, depends who starts a point guard, which is probably going to be Marcus Smart. I think the but. Celtics have the best player. Yeah, and Tatum, and maybe the second best player too. Yeah, how do you how are you the worst after that? I don't know. Overall, I think I think Kemba Walker is obviously going to improve this team. They might not be as good as of a seed as they were last year, but I think they're going to have a better record than they did last season. But Kemba Walker was was a good addition, and especially because now he's playing in front of his his family. His family. He's from the Bronx, I believe, and now he's back home. So moving on to number two, these two names right here aren't as sexy as that first name that I mentioned. But number two for me, I'm going to have to go with a guy that was on the Celtics last season, Tristan Thompson. He goes out to a place in Sacramento where I feel like this team should be a lot better than they were last season. I know my dad's a big fan of the Sacramento Kings. I just feel like they have like six point guards, six centers, two wings that stink, and, yeah. and that's about it. I mean, it's just a weird, weirdly constructed roster, and I feel like Tristan Thompson should have gone to a place where they don't have guys like Marvin Bagley that they're trying to make the best guy in the world. or It's just a place where Tristan Thompson's past his prime in the first place. You could see in Boston last season he wasn't great. And I, think I, I liked him. He's a good defender, but I don't think he's going to do anything for the Sacramento Kings team. I think he's just basically there to die. There to die. Okay. You like Tristan Thompson in Sacramento? I don't like anyone going to Sacramento. Um, I think that they should, they should shut it down. Um, the only player I actually like going to Sacramento is like Davion Mitchell, and even then they got like six guards on the team. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's so, a weirdly constructed roster, so... Tristan Thompson goes somewhere else where they actually need a center. Right. And then I'll just go to my other one real fast because this is kind of on the same path. What the hell is Robin Lopez doing in Orlando? Can you, can you answer the question? <laughs> what is Robin Lopez doing in Orlando? Like, shouldn't he be like in the WWE at this point in his career? Him and Brooke said they were going to go to the WWE at some point. Yeah. And now you're playing behind guys like Wendell Carter and Mo Bamba for one of the worst franchises in the He's NBA. He's play. Yeah, I just think it's a terrible signing. Like, Robin, if you want to stay in the NBA, why are you going to watch the Orlando Magic lose 65 games and just hang out on the bench? Okay. Terrible signing. Yeah, okay. That was my third. I think that's okay. All right, what are your next two? My next two? I got to think of two now? Um, oh, God. I have no idea what you, to say. Robin I'm going to be completely honest. Um, you can copy the Robin Lopez one. No, I'm not going to copy Robin Lopez as one of the worst moves of the offseason. I think that's insane. He's, he's a irrelevant acquisition by any team let alone the worst team in the league um but uh i don't know bad moves (coughs) there weren't a lot of bad bad moves moves. yeah there weren't that many bad moves um signing marcus smart to 95 million might have been we did not sign it was 77 78 it was 77 i think that was a good move um because at the time i don't know if you've heard the the signings of smart and williams were done at the right time so that they are both eligible for trade at the deadline. Oh. Um, and we got that trade exception for Fournier. So fantastic moves all around by Boston. Um, probably the best offseason I've seen Boston do in about. And that's including getting Kyrie Irving. It was a very in, good offseason. In a long time. Uh, it was in a fantastic offseason. Um, and, yeah, I don't know if we're done. We probably are. But um, yeah. bad moves. Bad moves. I can't even it's think tough, of, yeah. I can't even think of who went where, who did That's what. That's why I put Robin Lopez as three. I'm like, oh, that was actually kind of a yeah, shitty move. I don't know. 
Um, I mean, you don't have to say all three if you don't want. We can move on to the next segment of the show. Um, you know what? I will give, I will give you one more bad move. Bad move, okay? bad move. Signing John Collins to a max contract is the most idiotic thing I have ever heard in my entire life. I was thinking about that, but I get I get that, you know, you know, maybe the Sacramento Kings, the most fantastic franchise in the league, might offer John Collins a big contract. But as Atlanta, even though you're a team that was good last year, that doesn't mean you need to match it. That doesn't mean you need to offer this guy more so that he doesn't go out and find a deal. Like, it is a terrible move for me. John Collins to me is near his ceiling, if not at his ceiling. He's a good player. He's a, you know, 15 point per game guy. I think he's, you know, I think the best way to put this for me in, in the simplest terms is John Collins is replaceable, okay? That to me that means you don't pay him 5 year 125 million dollars if you're replaceable. I think that they could have gone out and signed a, you know, the right veteran to a, you know, 2 year 30 or a you know a three year forty, and and he'd be putting up the same production. It, it, the only thing is you know long term upside, but I really don't think John Collins has it. He's a, he's a good player, but he shouldn't be making one hundred twenty five million. That, no, that's he a, should that's not. absurd. But again, the Atlanta Hawks are bringing back the same team as they did last season. You get Trey Young, you got John Collins, and those are really your two guys. And now Cam you got Reddish. you got Cam Reddish, who I don't think he's Clint ever going to be great. But Jake, who's number three? And oh, then we'll move God. on it to... It took me a long time to think of John Collins. we got a lot of football stuff coming up. Um, number three... Um, uh, dun, God. Dun, dun, I don't dun, know. Dun. Um, it's t- uh, Reggie Bull. I mean, no. He went to Dallas, by the way. I couldn't I, think of a third. I was I was at work for like an hour and a half. I'm like, what the hell? I can't think can of a I, third. Can I say maybe like a mistake that was made by a team? Yeah. Like, for, for, I think that the... Portland Trailblazers are 100% heading in the wrong direction. They didn't do anything this offseason. I have no idea. Yeah, if, it's not one move in particular, but I will shit on them because I think they deserve it. Um, I'll tell you right now. When Carmelo doing. called Portland a home. He said, I love this place. They have like rejuvenated my career, and I'm having like the best time in this franchise as I've had any franchise in my entire life. He left. After saying that, he left. What did you do wrong that he left your team? Then... A guy that we let go, Ennis Cantor, walked away from the team, went to Portland, and was a monster. He was out there putting up 30 rebound games and, you know, being a, just the most energetic bench guy I've ever seen. How do you not retain him? They didn't do anything to replace those guys. They it's a bad offseason. They just let two legitimate parts of their bench walk away. So I will say, you know, the lack of move by Portland is, a, is bad. Yeah, that, was, that was generally bad. I, I completely agree. This is We'll get to football in a second, but all Portland did this offseason— they let Carmelo Anthony leave. They let Ennis Cantor go to the Celtics. They let Zach Collins go to the Spurs. And all they did, they retained Norman Powell five years, $90 million. Weak. They added Cody Zeller, Ben McLemore. Trash, trash. Greg Brown, Trendon Watford, and Tony Snell. That was their offseason. I mean, That's terrible. you're bringing back basically the same team as last season, and no, Portland's definitely going to be worse. It's worse. They, they're letting Cantor and Carmelo go, which is a combined 25 a game minimum. And they're replacing it with Ben McElmore. Like what? He sucks. What are you doing? What are you doing? Like I don't. Here, here's the biggest gripe. Okay, Damian Lillard is, in Getting my older. opinion, the best point guard in the NBA. Okay, CJ McCollum is an, a severely underrated player in the league. What did you do this offseason to make them happy? Absolutely nothing. nothing. What did you do to change their minds if they had it in their mind that they said, when my contract's out, I need to go find another team? 
when my contract is out. Dayman's gonna be gone. Yeah, well, I'm gonna go request a trade to a team that's a legitimate contender and you know gets me some kind of support. I don't like they didn't do anything for Boston. their their guys. They they can you know give them all the money in the world, but other teams can do that too. They didn't do anything different than any other team could do to make these guys stay in their team. And I you know an off season like this makes me think. In a couple of years, Portland's going to be a dumpster fire. Yeah, they're going to be one of those teams that you're looking at like the Orlando Magic and Detroit Pistons Seriously. this year. Soon. Seriously. But um, that's our NBA talk. The rest of the show will mostly be football. I mean, this is the time to start talking football soon. And then we'll end the show with a little congratulations to one of the best baseball players in the game. But there were some moves that happened in the NFL. We'll talk about it in a couple of seconds here. But, Jake, I'm going to name four teams real quickly. Okay. Tell me who you think their starting quarterback should be week one. Okay. Denver Broncos. Teddy. And they just named Teddy as a starting quarterback. He should be the starter. Drew Locke's had plenty of time, and he's a failure. I think Teddy should be the starter, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it was Drew Locke just because I don't think he really – he's a guy that turns the ball over way too much. Who? But he – Drew Locke, ton of turnovers, always interceptions. He never had Cortland Sutton healthy for whenever the time he was. He's how long was. He had Jerry Judy for one year. They had a good run game, good O-line. He didn't do anything. I don't think they he did a great defense. I don't think you could have got wrong, wrong either way, but I think that Drew Locke's going to end up starting at least four or five games this season as well. Maybe. I mean, I, Teddy's health comes into question for me in terms of, you know, Drew Locke starting games. But Drew Locke has had a, you know, I get, you know, not healthy, whatever. Drew Locke has had a similar cast around him for however long he's been in the league, like three, three years, or four probably. years. Um, and the defense has been generally strong for the majority of that time. He has done absolutely nothing, not a shimmer, not a glimmer of, of hope. He hasn't gotten no, better. There's been nothing to make me think that Drew Locke is going to be an improved player this season. Teddy Bridgewater has been on like four teams, and everywhere he goes, he looks legit. I don't think he's fantastic. I don't think that either of them is a long-term solution for Denver, but Teddy has won the job in multiple places, and I don't, I, I don't think that he's going to have an issue doing it here either. It, like the fact that he is, you know, just learning the playbook and looks just as good as Drew Locke has to make me think that long term, even in terms of this season, in terms of long term, Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the better player, and it would be the wrong move for them not to start him to, at least down the stretch. I mean, I get, you know, if they're saying, oh, Teddy's not ready for that, Drew Locke first few games, now we're one and three. Teddy they have an Bridgewater's easy schedule. The starter, but I think Teddy should be the, the starter right away. Yeah, and they have an easy schedule, so we'll see what happens there. Either way, I think they're a borderline playoff team, whether you start Drew Locke or I Teddy don't, Bridgewater. I don't. They'll be somewhere in the seven. Better to, chance with Teddy, though. Seven to nine, ten range, I think. But we'll be talking about that in two weeks on our NFL prediction special. All right, up next, who should be starting in New Orleans? Jameis Winston, Taysom Hill. Trevor Simeon. Someone else. Um, to me, this is so clearly obvious that it should be Jameis Winston. Yeah, it's no, no question. Um, no question about it. There's no question in my mind. Two James people today I heard say um, Taysom Hill, so I was wondering. It should not be Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill did fine for them last year, but he is the most predictable player in the NFL. Like, I get that, you know, he's a strong runner. He's an okay passer, and okay is, a, is you know, pretty generous. Um, Jameis Winston, I think... If you're the New Orleans Saints, gives you the highest upside. Um, yeah, I mean, he'll throw his interceptions, but he's he, a better quarterback. He's not going to throw 30 interceptions. I guarantee you he does not do that. No, he'll throw like 15 James, or 20. James Winston is the only player in NFL history to throw 30 touchdowns and 30 picks in the same year. He also threw 5,000 yards. 
The last time Jameis Winston was the starter for 16 games on a team, he led the league in passing yards. Jameis Winston has to be the starter of this team. I think that he has flown under the radar because he's been a backup to Drew Brees and, and you know, he was replaced by Tom Brady. People are sort of, you know, saying, oh, you know, Jameis Winston, you know, is a backup type guy. Jameis Winston's a legitimate starter in the NFL. Taysom Hill is a good, you know, he'll play. He'll be the gadget guy like he was last year. He will season. be a gadget guy. And I and I know that they've been saying for a long time, Taysom Hill's our, you know, our future, whatever. They didn't anticipate having Jameis Winston on the team. You're going to need Taysom Hill to catch balls is what you're going to need with those Michael Thomas. If they had better receivers, I would say Jameis Winston is, is, you know, legit, you know, fringe MVP type guy. Like, I don't think he's fantastic, but he puts up such great volume. I think he's a great deep passer. He's not the worst decision maker. I get the you know the, the interceptions were there, but he got LASIK surgery, and I want to see how it works. He's still um, going to throw interceptions. He's still going to throw interceptions, but he will not throw 30. I think that the Saints are going to be a decent team. I think that Jameis Winston should absolutely be the starter on this team, no questions asked. Yeah, Jameis Winston should be the starter. I agree with you there. Chicago, I know I heard you and Connor talked about this last week, and I believe you think it should be Justin Fields over Andy Dalton. I do. I think it's going to happen probably by at least the midpoint of the season. But right now, I think you go with a guy that's have a, that's had experience in the league, Andy Dalton. If Chicago starts off the season one and three, two and four, something like that, and he's not really playing good football, then yeah, I'd switch it over to Justin Fields. But again, he's only a rookie. Have him sit behind Andy Dalton for a couple games, let him learn. And again, Andy Dalton's a guy that he's not a terrible quarterback. I know he's never really won in the playoffs. And going to Chicago, you're not having the best supporting cast around you. Yeah, you get Allen Robinson. You get a f- couple of good tight ends around there. I you, like uh, you get a, Komet. Cole Komet. You get a really good defense in Chicago. But I say at least week one, start Andy Dalton, the guy with experience, and see what he can do. If not, I'd switch to Justin Fields fast. I, I would like to make, make it a point that you asked who should be the starter, not who will be the starter. I think it should be Dalton, and it will be Dalton. I think Andy Dalton will be the starter. I think Justin Fields should be the starter. Now, I get, you know, don't throw the the kid, you know, to the Wolves, whatever, you know, but he, if you've watched any Bears preseason football, maybe I'm the only one that's done so, Justin Fields has been better than Andy Dalton all the time. Every game, all the time. Every He looks better. He's, you know, he's got the running capability. Yeah, Dalton hasn't looked good. He looks like a better passer. Dalton hasn't looked good. Um, He hasn't hasn't looked bad, bad, but he hasn't looked good. Um, And on top of that, I get, you know, I seem to be the only one that seems like the Bears have a legitimate chance at anything. Um, you guys seem to hate on them a little bit, you and Connor. But the Bears were a playoff team last year. They were a playoff team like two years ago, maybe three years. I don't remember, three years ago. But to me, that team should be coming into the season saying, we have a legitimate chance of making the playoffs. And who gives us the best chance of making the playoffs? To me, that is not Andy Dalton. To me, that is Justin Fields. I don't give him a chance either They had way. Mitch Trubisky last year playing quarterback, and they made the playoffs. Okay? So I don't know why you, you don't think either of these guys could do the same thing. Um, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but I think— I, I really—you know, I, if I had to say yes or no, I would say no, they're not going to be a playoff team. But I think in, they are playing for the playoffs. And that to me, that means you don't say, oh, well, let's let Andy Dalton show Justin Fields not what to do for four games and then put him in. Like, I, I think that, you know, if you're trying hard enough... What's that? I can't to, even see my eyes. I think that. they're like two up arrows or something. Max House said Dalton. Oh, no, it's Dalton is trash. Oh, yeah. It's a guy putting things in the trash. That's what Max House um, said. Thanks for listening, Max House. Okay, yeah, Dalton is trash. Justin Fields should be the starter. And if they want to make the playoffs, I think that him, you know, Fields gives them the best chance. He so definitely I, has I a think, better... I think Fields should be. I think Dalton will be. Fields definitely has a better first name, that's for sure. Yes. But um, moving on to the, the last guy. Okay. The... The home guy, the Cam Newton, the Mac Jones guys, mm-hmm. who will be the starter? We're probably both going to agree on this. Who will going to be the starter? It's going to be Cam Newton. 
he was. I think Cam should be the starter as well. And I think it should be Mac Jones. Why? Because Cam Newton sucked last season. I think he looks great so far. Yeah, but Mac Jones has looked better. They, I mean, okay. they both they both act, actually looked really good so far. I was reading this tweet from Jeff Howe earlier. I think I actually saved it because I know we had the show tonight. Both quarterbacks have been tremendous so far in the preseason. Again, Cam Newton was missing the last couple of days because of the COVID stuff, whatever, not following the protocols. Either way, it sounds like Bill Belichick's going to go with Cam Newton. He loves Cam Newton for some reason a lot more than others. But this is what happened in the preseason. Final numbers through 19 camp practices. Cam Newton finished 135 for 210. 64.3 completion percentage. That's not bad. Mac Jones was 243 of 351, a 69.2 completion percentage. Cam Newton threw eight interceptions and 210 passes. Mac Jones threw six interceptions and 351 passes. Also, Mac Jones dealt with 17 drops. Cam Newton dealt with nine drops. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, again, they both weren't that bad. No, so you're right. The You know, factoring in drops, the, the accuracy is definitely far apart. Um... I, you know, it's going to be Cam Newton. It's going to be Cam Newton. And the, the one thing that that stat does not factor in is Cam Newton's ability to run the ball. Um, yeah, and that Mac Jones definitely not going to run the ball. Cam Newton is the best goal line runner in the entire NFL. Um, and it, you know, I don't know if the, maybe the Patriots want to run Mac Jones, you know, between the, between the red lines and put, uh, put Cam in in the red zone. I don't, that, that seems stupid. But if they're right on the goal line, maybe they do put Cam in the game even after they declare Mac the starter. Um, I, I really do think that they're going to go with Cam to start. I think Cam should be the starter, and it's not necessarily because I think he's better than Mac Jones. I think they both look great, and you know the stats don't lie. Mac Jones has performed better than Cam. I just think that in this situation more than, let's say, a Chicago, because Andy Dalton's a new player as well, this is Cam's position to lose, and I don't think he's done anything to lose it. Um, he looks fine. He actually looks better than last year, and we'll see how you he know, has better weapons too. Yeah, we'll see how he does. You know, with time, because you know he's a little injury prone. Maybe, maybe things don't go so well. Um, you know, he, he gets a little beat up, and Mac Mac has to get in the game that way. But I don't think Cam's done anything right now to say he shouldn't be. No, the he's not going to lose the job. But from a Patriots fan, seeing what Cam Newton did last year again. Give Cam Newton the chance. See what he does. He has better weapons. He has another year. He has an actual off season to prepare. Good defense. Yeah, a much better defense. I think this Patriots team is a legit, could be the best defense in the league if they all put, if they put it I all think together. I Tampa, but, but the Patriots are going to be good too. And we got to see what happens with Stephon Gilmore. But either way, this team is much better than last season. You're not going to go wrong either way, but I just hope it doesn't happen what happened last season with what Cam Newton did because that was a bad, bad performance. Mm. All right, on to I the mean, next there, thing. There were a couple plays. I mean, No, he was good at the beginning. Again, the Seattle game, they should have won. If we won the Seattle game, if he didn't fumble the ball against Buffalo, we would have been a playoff team. Yeah, the Buffalo game again. Kansas City, they they stuck with him in the first half. They they didn't play that bad last season. He didn't but play against Kansas City, he had COVID. No, I'm just saying the Patriots in general. They should have won that game. Oh yeah, they played. We almost won without him. Yeah, with Hoyer or whatever they yeah. were dealing with out there. I mean, they played a good first half against him. But get, again, it's exciting time to be a Patriots fan again. I think they have a real shot to be in the playoffs, and I think they will be. But we'll get to that more in a couple weeks. All right, next on the agenda, there was a couple news items before we break down our two teams that we have to break down. Jake. Say goodbye to... Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Say goodbye to Sony Michelle. Yep. What are your overall thoughts on that? And I think he's going to a good situation. How about you? I do think he's going to a good situation, mainly because their, you know, their lead back is out for the year, Cam Akers. Um, it's going to be Michelle and Henderson, which I think is a fine combo. I don't think it's anything special. Um, personally, I'm kind of glad to see Sony Michelle go. Um, 
I've never been the biggest fan, and I think Harris is like clearly a better running back at this point in time. Um, oh, yeah, Harris the man. Yeah, so I, I like the combination of Harris and, and White. Um, I I do think that that you know Sony Michelle kind of was the odd man out there. I didn't know what he'd really be doing because he does he seems to do everything that Harris and White do, just not as good as either of them. Um, so I really don't know where he was going to fit in. I knew he would be a backup, but I like the move. I I get a couple picks out of a guy you know that you you drafted years ago. It's it's a fine move to make. Yeah, it's neither team lost with this move in my opinion. No, they needed a running back. From the Rams, you, like Jake said, you lose Cam Akers, who is going to be the number one running back. And now Darrell Henderson got hurt the other day. I believe it was his thumb or his pinky finger, one of his five fingers that he has on his right side of his hand. He lost one of – he almost lost one of his – no, he didn't lose one of his fingers. Something happened to one of his fingers, so they're a little concerned about it. They think he's still going to start the season week one. But now you look at the Patriots situation where they really don't need Sony Michelle too much. Sean McVay and Bill Belichick are pretty close to each other, good friends. He's got a couple picks out of them. So you reach out to New England, you get a good running back in Sony Michelle. Again, he never reached his full potential with the Patriots. Again, this is a guy that we drafted in the first round. I'm never, I'm not a big fan of drafting running backs in the first we round period. We didn't only just take him in the first round. We took him over Dick Chubb. We took him over Nick Chubb. We took him over Lamar Jackson. Yeah, I mean, a lot of teams did that too. But from the Patriots' perspective... Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb came out of college in the same backfield. Yeah, it made and, no sense at all. And, you, and Sony Michelle was the guy that lit it up in the national title game. And yeah, but Chubb was the starter. Nick Chubb was the starter for the whole season. He was overall and now a better Nick running Chubb back. Is nasty. And now, if the Patriots had Nick Chubb, they'd be a lot better than they probably would have been. But seriously, overall, Sony Michelle was not bad in his time in New England. He's a, he's a guy that got the touchdown in the Super Bowl win over L.A. Again, he's never a guy that he's he's not exciting to watch. He's like, oh, let not me let me turn on the TV. Sony I don't Michelle's remember the playing. last time he had like a thirty yard run. They were saying this on the other day. He had, I think, he had three runs over three touchdowns over thirty yards in his Patriot career. Or something as long as was forty seven, I, I believe it was ridiculous. But from the Patriots' perspective, again, Damian Harris is your running back number one. You still get James White, who's going to do good, and you drafted a guy by the name of Rondre Stevenson, who's looked really good in the offseason so far too. Patriots are fine at running back. They also get JJ Taylor, who's a good special teamer. You still get Brandon Bolden. The guy's oh, going to retire a Patriot. Yeah, he probably will. He's back and forth. What th- second or third time I believe. But overall. Neither team lost here, and I think it's really good for both of these organizations in the long run and in the short term. Yeah. Next up, other news that happened the day before yesterday, I believe it was. Jacksonville Jaguars. the hell was that? The Jaguars went into the NFL draft with a running back by the name of James Robinson. In the first round, they obviously got Trevor Lawrence. Then their second pick, they go out and grab a guy by the name of Travis Etienne, who was a teammate of Trevor Lawrence. He's at Clemson. I like the pick, too, because just Lawrence and Etienne, if you watch them at Clemson and all, they worked really well together. But now, Etienne was just lost for the season. Yep. What do you think about this, Jake, and what it means for Jacksonville? Um, I think they lose a very versatile player. Um, I think he was going to play a key part in their offense. I don't know if he would have been the starter. Um, maybe, you know, throughout the year, things would have changed and he would have became the starter. Robinson had a good year last year. So he's still going to be a big factor on the team. Um they're they're definitely affected. I don't I don't think that Robinson is the best pass catcher. Etn definitely had that skill over him, um, and now it seems all they have behind Robinson is Carlos Hyde, another guy who's not a big pass he's catcher. Thirty five. Yeah, I mean Carlos Hyde, hundred percent is going to play. Um, yeah, he has to. He it seems like everywhere he goes, he does a good job in their backfield. So he's going to get some work. He's going to you know have a bigger role now. Uh, I think mo- more of the the workload from Etn is going to go to Hyde than I than Robinson, in my opinion. Yeah, and again, Hyde's not going to play as much as Etn probably would have played. But no. overall, it's a win. It's a good situation for James Robinson to be in an undrafted guy, 
having a great yeah, season last bet, season. I bet you he was feeling threatened at the start of the year. He probably was, and it was it was a weird pick just because of the year James Robinson had last season. But they didn't want to pass up on a guy that could be the best running back in the draft class. Probably going to be Najee Harris, but again, a very good running back out of Clemson. So overall, the news it hurts Jacksonville again. This is a Jacksonville team that's probably not going anywhere anyways with the team that they currently have right now. And it's bad news for Trevor Lawrence, first off, because of how well him and ETN meshed together when they were in college. Right. Overall, it's not a good move. But for James Robinson, I believe it's a great move because he's going to get the ball even more than he was going to get with ETN active. All right. Jake, we almost made it here. We're going through every single NFL team's depth chart this season. You and Connor, what, you did three teams last week? Yes. You did the Broncos, you did the Buccaneers, and you did... Who's the third team? The uh, Broncos, Buccaneers... Texans? And the Texans. So you guys did three last week. We have two left. The Seattle Seahawks. Nice. And the Philadelphia Eagles. Good teams. The two final teams that we haven't gone over yet. Again, next week, if you weren't listening before, next week will be our one-year anniversary special. Maybe we'll have some cupcakes. Maybe we'll have some cookies. Yeah, we're going to have cupcakes. We'll have a recap. I, I would love to have a cupcake. Me too. We'll get one tonight. All right. And then in two weeks, we'll be, I believe in two weeks, because the season starts two weeks from today, actually. Wow. The NFL season kicks off two weeks from today with the Buccaneers and the Cowboys. Love it. So either Monday or Tuesday, most likely the 6th or the 7th, will be our NFL prediction special. We'll be telling you our records for every single team. Who will? MVPs, comeback player of the year, who's going to win the Super Bowl. But tune in. That will be in two weeks. But for now, we're going to break down our final two teams, starting with the Seattle Seahawks. Jake, you know what we got to start with, right? Um, Cam special, Chancellor. The special teams, okay. yeah. Special teams for the Seattle Seahawks. You got Jason Myers, who was there for the Good last kicker. couple of years. You had him in fantasy last year, right? Sometimes. And the punter, Michael Dixon. So they're going to bring back the same special teams unit as they did last year. But now we're going to the defense. Again, this isn't a defense that was the Richard Sherman, Cam Chancellor era defense. No Legion of Boom. But they still have a couple guys left over. I believe there's two guys left over from that defense from when they played the Patriots in the Super Bowl, which is crazy to believe. You know who they are? Let me look. Um, they're both starters. Wait, what the hell are you looking at? Oh. Um, Bobby Wagner. Right. And Carlos Dunlap. No. Okay. Wait, maybe the second guy's not on the team. I thought I just saw him. KJ Wright, unless he's hurt. I thought KJ Wright was still with the team. Yeah, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright. Oh, he's a free agent. He's not with the team anymore, I guess. Just Bobby. I guess it's just Bobby Wagner. So just Bobby Wagner. But let's start with the defensive line. That was for the defense, by the way. Defensive line, you bring in a guy by the name of Carlos Dunlap, who I believe is a little past his prime, coming from the Cincinnati Bengals. What? I thought he was on the team. Oh, yeah. And then the other defensive end is LJ Collier, a guy they're really high out of coming out of TCU. And then you got a guy by the name of Robert Nakamichi, who kind of didn't live up to expectations with his time with Arizona. And then your defensive tackles are Al Woods and Puna Ford. It's definitely not the defense it once was, especially the front defensive line. No, they've, they've totally taken, the, the Seahawks as a whole have taken a completely different direction with their, with their team. They used to be, you know, a, a decent run game offense, you know, with, led by a tremendous defense. They've completely flipped the script. Now they are like Dallas Cowboy-esque where they, Not that bad. they pray their defense performs well and then they let the offense just pass the hell out of the ball. Yeah. Again, they're not. I don't think they're as bad as Dallas, but they might be in the no, back end. Meant, of the I just meant like the strategy. Yeah, oh, definitely. It's the same four three defense and all that crap. Moving on to the linebackers, we already mentioned you already got Bobby Wagner there. I don't believe he's one of what he used to be. At oh, one point, nice. at one point, he was a top three, top five linebacker in the league. He's probably he could still be top ten, but you surround him with 
guys, a guy by the name of Jordan Brooks, who they're very high out of coming out of Texas Tech. He led Texas Tech in tackles last season. And then you have Cody Barden and Benson Mayoa. The linebacking core is not that strong. And for them to be very good, their front seven, I think you need this guy Jordan Brooks to perform right away. Yeah, I mean, definitely. The the defense was lacking all around. Um, and we'll see. They're not super deep either. So if somebody gets hurt, they're really screwed. Um, but but we'll see how it goes. I mean, I anticipate the defense being similar to how it was last year. Uh, you know, a lot of points let up and, you know, a lot of, like, you know, we're watching baseball, so I'll use a, a baseball term. A lot of blown saves. Yeah. Speaking of the Red Sox, yeah. Moving on to probably the best part of this defense. You got the secondary, the safeties. Jamal Adams is one of the best safeties in the league. Love him. You know him from his time with the Jets. Yeah. Also, you got Quandry Diggs, another very good safety as well. And then your two starting cornerbacks. You got DJ Reed, who's not really that proven yet in the league. And you got Akella Witherspoon and then Trey Flowers. Well, they let uh, Griffin go. Yeah, they let Griffin go. So your safeties are very good. Your cornerbacks are so-so. Overall, if I had to give this defense a grade, I'd say they're lucky if it's a B-minus for the season. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at a team that's definitely going to be back half in terms of defense. I think, like, you know, low, low 20s, you know, 22, 23 is fair. Um, I think it's the worst defense in the division. Really? Behind the Rams, San Francisco, and Arizona. Yeah, I mean, Arizona made good moves in the offseason, so I, I think you're right there. Um, it's not that hard. They're not a good defense. So, well, yeah, I think you're right. Um, I just I don't know how they're going to do. I, I think that, you know, their ceiling is like 20th. But I, I don't think that they get that good. The the offense is going to play a factor, obviously, because Wilson can can keep the the ball in his hands versus you know forcing that defense to play series after series. I always think that comes into a factor in terms of ranking defenses. Right. But in terms of like straight on paper, they're going to be worse than teams that end up being worse than them. If you know what I mean. I know what you mean. They're less talented defense that than teams that are going to finish behind them defensively. Well, the real question is how good is his offense going to be? We know what happened last season. Russell Wilson was awesome. He did drop off a little in the end. Sorry, yeah, he, sorry to see would, it for Chris Keenan. Yeah, he would have been MVP. I mean, at least the first 10 to 12 weeks of the season, he was unbelievable. Then he kind of hurt Chris Keenan's fantasy team a little in the end and Thank God. Gave, me the, gave me the championship, which I'm thankful for. But moving on to the line, your tackles are Dwani Brown, a guy that's been in the league for a while, and then you got Brandon Shell. Your two guards are Damian Lewis and Gabe Jackson, and your starting center is Ethan Pokic. Again, kind of similar to the defense. I don't think it's, it's a pretty weak offense. It's not a great offensive line. Probably Dwani Brown's your best tackle, your best offensive line guy on the team in general. But if I'm if I'm Russell Wilson, you better you better start running because you're gonna he's, have to run a he's lot. He's used to it. He gets he's like the most sacked guy in the league. Him and uh, Watson. Like it, I I think he you know has given up at this point on on them getting a good. Uh, a good line for him. They really he's, haven't since he's, he's totally there. had to adapt to to just always being on the move, always throwing on the run, which has turned him into a better player. But at some point, you know, you got to say this guy isn't you know in his first or second year in the league anymore. He's our franchise player, and we're doing nothing to protect him. Yeah, and he's getting um, older. It's going to hurt the run game too. If we're you know if you want to move on to the run game. Yeah. So the offensive line, both of us on the same page, not one of the best in the league. Moving on to the run game, starting running back. I know a guy. This guy, it seems like, you, do you have this guy in fantasy like every, every season? Every single year. It seems like Chris Carson's on Jake's fantasy team every single season. I've never owned Chris Carson in my life, and maybe I will, maybe I won't. I'm not going to spoil anything. Maybe you will. But um, you got Chris Carson, he's your starting running back, who I believe is very underrated. It always seems like he performs every season, and Jake definitely loves him. And behind he's him, he's very talented. He is. He's a very good running back, especially in the system behind that they him have. Is Rashard Penny. 
You got Rashad Penny and Travis Homer and DJ Dallas behind him. A lot of people are thinking that maybe Rashad Penny could take a lot of snaps away from they Carson. They say that every year. But it really hasn't happened unless he's been hurt, which he has been hurt a good amount. They say it every damn year, and Chris Carson never gives up anything. Overall, the run game's pretty good, but I think it does come down to how good this offensive line is as well, and it's not great. Yeah, I mean, I do like Chris Carson a lot. I think he's a very talented running back. Um, he's not like I think he's a little underrated. But I, I, at the same time, I will fully acknowledge he's not on the level of, like, the top-tier running backs in the league. Um, I think he's, like, a very firm, second-tier guy. But, yes, the running the running game is going to be seriously affected by the fact that the O-line is terrible. Um, it's going to be a problem. It's always been a problem. They seem to figure it out a little bit, but Carson is, like, unable to hit his ceiling because of how bad that offensive line is at times. And then moving on, this is a Seattle Seahawks team that really did not do too much in the offseason, but... Probably their biggest offseason addition, which is pretty sad to say, was their tight end. Gerald Everett's going to be a starting tight end for the first time in his career. This is a guy, this is a guy that was a tight end behind Tyler Higby in his Where'd time Greg in Olson L.A. Go? I think he retired. Okay. Yeah, Greg Olson retired. I think his kid was having his kid almost died, actually. I believe he was having problems with his heart or something. Oh, my God. But um, Gerald Everett's now the starting tight end. Jacob Hollister's not here anymore. What's his name? Just reti- Luke Wilson just retired yesterday. So you get Gerald Everett and Will Disley as your starting tight ends Will on the Disley's team. Will Disley's nasty. Disley's good. I wouldn't say he's nasty, but he's good. <laughs> I don't think Will Disley's nasty, but he was nasty. Gerald Everett's the starting tight end, and he was okay in LA at best. Yeah, but at least he's falling into a similar situation where I still feel he's not the most talented tight end on roster, and and you know, Gee, bless, bless you, me, sorry, bless you. You, you want to look at similar setups. Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby versus Gerald Everett and Will Disley. They they almost have the same sounding name anyway. Yeah. Um, it's Disley, you know Everett. I think it's gonna work well. It's, you know Gerald Everett can't be like a you know one man show type tight end, but with a you know another guy out there to to at least you know give him breaks in terms of repetition or to draw some of that defense from the linebackers. I think Everett's gonna do f- just fine. He'll be all right in Seattle. Just yeah. fine. So he'll be okay. You know the quarterbacks, Russell Wilson, the backups are Geno Smith and Sean Mannion, and then Gino's finally... Been there for a long time. Yeah, I don't know what Geno's doing, just sitting on the bench. Backup. But these are your wide receivers. You got DK Metcalf. Nasty. You guys already know DK Metcalf, one of the best receivers in the game. Tyler Lockett. You get Tyler Lockett, who it seems like every season my expectations are kind of low for him, and he, and he does he's always incredible. really good. Tyler Lockett's a, a reliable guy. every year. So you get Metcalf and Tyler Lockett as your top two receivers, and then you got Freddie Swain and Dwayne Eskridge behind those two. Russell Wilson is in for a good season again he was great last season in the first half and he's bringing back pretty much the same offense with Gerald Everett as your starting tight end I'm not going to give you away what I think Seattle's going to finish in the division but I don't think they're the best team in the NFC West interesting um what'd you say you're not going to give a record I'm not going to give you where I think they're going to finish exactly but they're not going to win the West okay um I will agree that they are not going to win the West, and I will say that their record at the end of the season is ten and seven. Ten and seven. Well, yeah, I think it'll probably be somewhere around there. Again, they're a playoff team. I'll wait for a couple weeks to tell Russell you. Russell Wilson is a playoff player. Yeah, yes. I mean, you got top five quarterback in the game. It should be above five hundred. No yeah, doubt and, about and that. And a couple fantastic receivers. And don't forget, they are in the best division in football right now. In my opinion, I think the NFC West is the best division in I football disagree. right now. Well, you think the AFC North? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Yes, yeah. I do think the AFC North is better. 
I don't think the NFC West, the Cincinnati Bengals are going to be bad. I don't think the NFC West has a, a bad team. Arizona's um, not going to be bad. No. San Francisco's not going to be bad. 49, I don't like them. The Rams aren't going to be, I don't like San Francisco either, but I think overall it's better because Cincinnati's Jimmy not great. Sucks. And Pittsburgh, in my opinion, is just average. They, they were the longest undefeated team last year. Things aren't going to be so good this season. Okay. Um, Jimmy Garoppolo blows. He's terrible. He blows and sucks. He blows and sucks. Like, it's, you know, hard to do both, but he's, he's mastered it somehow. Um, I, I think that... AFC North's probably second. Listen, Sanford, yeah, in terms of, like, who's got the, you know, the, the best worst team, yeah, I, I'm going to say that San Francisco is better than Cincinnati, for sure. But in my mind, there are two teams and maybe a third team in the AFC North that have a legit chance of making the Super Bowl. Um, I don't feel the same way about the NFC West. Um, I think the Rams are legit for the Super Bowl. I think the Cardinals and Seahawks have very, very outside chances. Yeah. And San Francisco is a is a lost puppy. Um, NFC West is good, though. But if you're looking at the North, I think Cleveland is super legit. I think that they have a very real chance of making the Super Bowl. I would not be surprised at all if they got there. I think Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, that's an MVP. Um, and a recent MVP. That just that versatility. They added um, what's his name, Galladay. No, not Galladay. The Giants added Galladay. What? Who'd they add? Um, who Sammy they? Watkins. They added Sammy Watkins. He stinks. Come on, he, like it's a fine addition. They needed a receiver. Um, and I think Dobbins is a big you know step up. Dobbins this year. is good. So and they have Mark Andrews. I think that the offense is very good. I think the defense is solid. It sucks they lost um, Judon. Judon to us. But, Doesn't suck for us, right? But so you think the North's the best division? I do, and I, I think Pittsburgh calling Pittsburgh the third best team in that division after they, you know, were eleven and zero last year is. I think Seattle could be the third best in the West, but I'm not giving anything away. Yeah, they probably could be, but in a one game, I don't know if I'm taking Pittsburgh or Seattle. It was a good Super Bowl. They never played. I mean, Arizona. I'm thinking Arizona, Pittsburgh. Okay, but um, AFC East is okay. The North is obviously good. The AFC South is kind of similar to the AFC East. In the AFC West, blo- I think the AFC West stinks. Besides, I mean, you had Kansas City, but then besides those. Can- nah. You had the Broncos, the Chargers, and the Raiders. You There's don't no- think the Chargers could be good? Eh. I'll let you, you know in a couple weeks. I'll let you know in a couple weeks. NFC East obviously kind of stinks. Yep. NFC North has gotten a shit ton worse. The NFC South dropped off very hard. So has the North. The South more than the North. The South and North have both dropped a ton. Well, I mean, the Lions suck. The Vikings are okay. Um, the Bears are okay, and the Packers are good. And then, yeah, I mean, it's, those two divisions. The the reason it's the so might obvious. Be awesome a little bit. The reason it's so obvious is that the Packers and and Buccaneers are like clear runaways for the best team in that division. You can't say the same thing about anyone. Yeah, in bet the, the, in bet the, the money West. lines. Yeah, every time. Go ahead. All right, you probably win money. Moving on to our second to last thing on the show, breaking down the final team, the Philadelphia Eagles. Marty, Matt, and Jamie, you guys listening? Here we go. The Eagles depth chart, again, a team that a lot of people don't know where they're going to finish in this conference because it seems like everyone has someone else winning it. I was at a sports broadcasting camp for the week. That's why I wasn't here last week. And obviously I was with a bunch of Philly fans because I was out in Pennsylvania. And they're saying they don't know if the Philly's going to finish first, second, third, or fourth. Where I don't know where they're going to finish. And I really don't either right now. But special teams, you got Jake Elliott, who was my fantasy football kicker last season. He's decent. Kind of disappointed me. 
And then the punter is Aaron Sippos. I'd be lying if I said I'd ever heard of him before. Him? You never heard of him? All right, moving on. The 4-3 defense that the Philadelphia Eagles love. And speaking of front sevens, this could be a, a top five front yeah, seven in the talented. NFL. It's very talented. The defensive line, your defensive end, you get Derek Barnett, who is a star at Tennessee. He's been a stud in the NFL so far. Yep. And yet, then you got Brandon Graham, who's awesome. Yep. And then you also have Ryan Kerrigan, who you got from the Washington football team. Those three guys can wreck yeah, havoc. Kerrigan's nasty. And he's your third defensive end. Right. That, that tells you what I think about the Eagles' defense. Yep. Then your defensive tackles, Fletcher Cox, another guy that's another been there forever. incredible player. And then also Javon Hargraves, another very good defensive tackle. Kind of reminds me of Vince Wilfork a little bit. The, the guys you got in your front seven, especially your defensive line, if I'm the Washington football team, the Dallas Cowboys and the Giants, I'd watch the hell out because that D-line is awesome. Probably the best in the – well, the Washington football team is obviously great, but first or second best in that conference uh, in division. Tampa Bay. Yeah, Tampa Bay is good. They are getting older, though. Come on. They got JPP. They got Shaq Barrett. They got Adonis Sue. Sue. Your linebackers for the Philadelphia Eagles are not as good. You get Alex Singleton, who's your best linebacker on the team. For those of you that aren't familiar, the white guy with the hair that goes down on his ass, very good player. And then your other two linebackers, you got Eric Wilson, who you drafted, who's pretty good. I believe he played for the Vikings, too, a little bit. And then you also have Jannard Avery, TJ Edwards, and a lot of other guys that really aren't too good. So this the linebacking course starts with Alex Singleton. Besides that, you really don't have another great linebacker there. But if I'm the Eagles, it all starts with the front that you have. Oh, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. They're the, you know, I think, I forget which other team I talked about this with, but... Your linebacking crew and your secondary can be a little worse when you have such a good front line because you're going to be able to stop the run at a higher rate just with those linemen, and you're going to be able to pressure the quarterback at a higher rate, which leads to you know less needed coverage, yeah. uh, less long-term coverage by those linebackers with tight ends streaking across or slot guys and, and the corners as well. So not the best, but I think that they're going to be – you know protected a little bit by that front line yeah obviously whenever you have a good front seven again secondary doesn't have to be as good simple as that and the patriots should feel the same way this season because i still think their front seven is very good with the addition the secondary is pretty solid too yeah it's a great defense all right but then moving on to the secondary the eagles your number one cornerback's darius slay again this is a guy he's very good he's not what he once was but he's still a good cornerback to have Mm -hmm. and then you add steven nelson from the pittsburgh steelers which is a pretty good addition yep and then you have Avante Maddox, who was one of your starting cornerbacks last season as your third cornerback. I believe the Eagles got better here in the cornerback situation. And then your safeties are Rodney McLeod and Anthony Harris. I like McLeod. Harris, McLeod's good. Harris came over from the Vikings. The secondary is much improved in Philadelphia. I think the defense is not going to have that many issues this season. I think it all comes down to how good is Jalen Hurts going to be in year two. I think he should be pretty good. Yeah, I do too. Let's, uh, let's move on. So that's the defense. Obviously a lot better than the Seattle Seahawks defense, which is kind of weird oh, to yeah. say. Oh, yeah. Moving on to the line, Jason Kelsey's your center. I, th- I believe he's like 40 years old at this point mm-hmm. in his career. Your guards are Isaac Samulo and Brandon Brooks. Brooks is a guy that's been there for a pretty good amount of time. Yep. And then your tackles are Jordan Malaysia and Lane Johnson. Lane Johnson's another guy that has yeah, a lot of experience here. Guy. Your right side of the line is very good. The left side of the line has a couple of question marks, but again, I still think it's better than the previous team that we just talked oh, about. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. It's a pretty solid offensive line, especially like you said on the right. Um, I I love seeing good offensive lines with quarterbacks that have legs, um, and you know teams with good running backs actually being able to use them the way they want to. Right. Um, I anticipate both things happening with the Eagles. I think Hertz is gonna 
be good at behind that line. You know, it's important for a young guy to have a, a few, you know, extra ticks on the clock to be able to make a decision. TikTok. Um, it'll help in his development long term. And I think that, you know, you know we're going to move on to it. But I think Sanders is going to benefit from this line too Ooh. because he uh, – you know he's gotten hurt in the past, and and the lo- the longer uh, this line can keep players away from him, the better. So moving on, Miles Sanders is your number one running back like he was last season. Mm-hmm. You got Boston Scott, who's like what is he five foot one? That guy is so tiny. No, <laughs> you got Boston Scott as your backup. You drafted a guy by the name of Kenneth Gainwell, who in Philadelphia apparently they're thinking very highly of. And then apparently they still have Jordan Howard. They do have Jordan Howard. He's like their number two. As their number four running back on this depth chart. But in yeah. preseason, he was backing up Sanders directly. Yeah, he was he was playing a lot in preseason, but that's preseason, so who knows. Miles Sanders is your starting guy. Yep. I've never been a huge Miles Sanders fan. I know Philadelphia loves him. I think he's pretty good. And I think he could have a better season than he did, than he did last season, especially because of the element of Jalen Hurts running the ball as well. Absolutely. I, I think Sanders is pretty good. I think he's a very versatile back, decent runner. Strong pass catcher, um, and definitely adds an added weapon to to that Jalen Hurts offense. Um, I I would love to see RPOs between Hurts and Sanders. Like it's, you, you, Sanders is a legit threat. You need to make sure you're covering him, and at the same time, you have to block the other way to make sure Hurts isn't doing the same thing. It's going to open up both of them for some very good running plays. Yeah, definitely will. Again, moving on to the quarterback, Jalen Hurts, a guy that came in last season. He, he practically helped me win my fantasy football championship, which thank you to Jalen Hurts. was very nice of you. And Joe Flack was the backup. Nick Mullins is the third string. Nice. So Jalen Hurts is obviously the starter here. And I think how good the Eagles do, if they can win the conference, the division or not, depends it's on possible. how— It's I don't think it happens, but it's possible. Yeah, I could see all four teams winning. But um, nah, I think— The Giants are starting to question. I don't know. I don't know. Why? Because preseason? Yeah, they're trash. Jalen Hurts— a lot depends on him, obviously. But the thing that sticks out to me is how good are the guys that he's throwing the football to. Your two tight ends are the same as last season. Dallas Goddard apparently is better than Zach Ertz, and I think he might be too because Zach Ertz has just been so inconsistent. Well, he's these, definitely the starter. These last two they seasons. They were Ertz, and they haven't. Yeah, and then you also but get Hertz Richard Rodgers. It sounds so appealing. Hurts to Ertz. It sounds good. Will it happen a lot? Probably not. You got Dallas Goddard. You got Richard Rodgers who played okay. in Green Bay before. And then your wide receivers. You get Devontae Smith, who you drafted. Great pickup. He's a guy to me that I think could be one of the best players coming on this draft if he stays healthy. Everyone thought so. You got Jalen Rigor, who was their pick last season. Who yeah, really, he didn't get a large chance. He really didn't play. do much. Then you got Greg Ward, who he's okay, I Greg guess. Greg Ward is like the, the best Philadelphia receiver in the past like 10 years. Yeah. Then you get Travis Fulgham, who was the best Philadelphia Eagles receiver for like those two or three weeks last season. Oh, yeah. He had like 150 yards or something. And then, yeah. And then you got JJR. So you just get a bunch of. Let me Weird ask, guys. Let me ask you: Is Alshon still on roster? No, I think he's a free agent. Oh, we should get Alshon. You know who is on roster though? Who I just saw, a guy from Boston College, Michael Walker. Ooh, Michael Walker. <laughs> but the, the name that sticks out to me on this is obviously Devonte Smith. The tight ends are obviously going to play crucial roles in Philadelphia this season. And the last guy that I'm going to mention real fast, just because I heard his name at my sports broadcasting camp over and over again, Philadelphia fans are very high. On a guy by the name of Quez Watkins. Apparently they think that... Quez Watkins. Quez Watkins has a chance to be the number one wide receiver for Philadelphia this Bull. season. Bull. I don't, I don't think it's going to happen, but a lot of the kids in my sports broadcasting Quez. camp, they're in love with Quez Watkins. They're in love with this guy. I don't know why. He has one touchdown in his career, but 
I'm saying, I don't know if you're going to draft him in the last pick of your fantasy football draft Are or you? whatnot. Probably not. Okay. But Quez Watkins is a guy that Philadelphia Eagles fans love for some reason, and I have no idea why. No answer to it. Well, okay. Hurts doesn't have a lot of options. That, that's the main point. He doesn't have a lot of options here. Devontae Smith's going to have to be good. Jalen Rigo is going to... Smith will be good. He's so fast. He can't be bad. Yeah, again, I told you he reminds me of Tyree Kelly. He's going to be that good? Probably not. And Jalen Rigo is going to have to show that he has something in the tank this season because last season was not good at all. But overall, this Eagles team that could finish anywhere from 1-4, to four, in my opinion, in the division. For me, it's more of a 1-3 to three, um, and more likely a 2-3. to three. Um, I think that, you know, I saw they're like pegged for you know six and a half wins i think that's a little low yeah six I think, and a half i think they'll be closer to like an eight win team um, take you over you take it yeah maybe um and if you ask me are they gonna get more i'd say yes um to me the reason that they, they can't be fourth is is there's just a lot of upside with this team Ooh. um i i think that hurts brings a different factor to to the game and the, the reason i would say they're not going to be division winners is because Washington has such a strong defense. It's good defense. And personally, I don't think anyone has a better offense in the division than Dallas. Um, We're going to find out in two weeks who we have won in the a, division. It's an incredible run game in Dallas. That Their receivers are fantastic. Um, and, you know, I think Prescott is, a, is an MVP-level player when he wants to be, um, especially with those guys on the field. Right. So, it's a wacky division. Yeah, it, it definitely is. I'm going to say Philly finishes third in the division. That's your spoiler? Sure. All right, Philly's, I'm going to say Philly, Philly finishes third in the division. All right, Jake will say Philly's finishing third, and the only thing I'm going to tell you before, especially in two weeks, is the Washington football team is not going to win the division. But that's all I'm going to say. All right. Wow, you think the Eagles are going to win the division? Maybe, maybe not. You think the Giants are going to win the division? I'll tell you when the show is over. I don't want, I don't want this you guy to hear. the Rams are going to win the division? Maybe, maybe not. not. The all right, that's going to be the end of the show. But before we end, we're going to say congratulations to one person. You know who that is? No. Congratulations P.K. Hernandez. To a guy by the name of Miguel Cabrera. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the 500 Club. He had his 500th home run. And the 501. Welcome to the 501 Club. He had his 501st home run two nights ago, I believe, or last night. I forget what night it was. But Miguel Cabrera is officially a member of the 500 Club, I believe. Let me check real quick. I think it was the 31st guy to be a member of the 500 Home Run Club. Let me check real quick. I just saw it here. How about congrats to Kike Hernandez for hitting a home run on his birthday? And one last night, too, that really meant nothing. Yep. But, yeah, Miguel Cabrera was the 30, 28th player in history to be in the 500th club, the first since David Ortiz. So, again, Miguel Cabrera still – he's not hitting like he used to, obviously, because he's so old. But He's got a few more. Congrats there. to Miguel Cabrera on being a member of the 500 club. And, honestly, congrats to the Detroit Tigers for not sucking this season. Yeah, right. Because that's a team going into the season I thought would be – extremely really really bad and right now they're six games under 500 so the tigers are 61 and 67 we're going to end the show with a little congratulations to miggy good job buddy. and for those of you that are red sox fans a little red sox update currently zero zero two bottom on, of the no second outs. inning two on no outs and i bet that the red sox would score first so hopefully that happens right now and i think they might have just oh. got into a force out which they did so first and second now with one out Enjoy the rest of your nights, everybody. That is officially week 52. Again, we're going to be back here next week for week 53, our one-year anniversary. Maybe we'll play some emotional music. We'll get you cupcakes, bring you some cookies from Shaw's. Take some nips. Get drunk before the show starts. No, I'm kidding. Why would we ever do that? No, just during the show. And then week 50, yeah. And then week 54 will be in two weeks because two weeks from today, Tom Brady versus Dak Prescott 
to start the NFL season off. Take the box. Get ready. Minus six and a half, I believe. So we'll see. But um, that's going to do it for week 52. Hopefully, Connor Howell will be here next week for Jake Platter. I'm Justin Miller. Enjoy the rest of your nights, everyone. See ya. Go Sox.